Welcome to the Who's He Podcast with me, Phil. And me, Paul. And on this week's show, we'll be talking about, well, big finish for a change. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about a fifth Doctor story called Red Dawn. Uh, but first, let's have some news. Now, um, obviously, we've been away for a couple of weeks, haven't we? Yes. Uh, you know, as a recording duo. So, uh, some of the news you will hear here, you probably heard already or read already to be honest um but it's news to us because we've been away so we've, we've got a show to film exactly we've got time <laughs> to pad out so <laughs> right okay now uh let's do some dvd news to start off with um now a lot more details have been released for the 10th planet uh, dvd release um which will be released in this country anyway in the uk on the 18th of november um, it's gone into some of the special features on there. So it's, obviously, if you don't know, it's a two-disc set as well. Uh, so disc one, um, obviously you've got the animated version of the missing episode, which is episode four. Uh, you've got a commentary with Annika Wills, Christopher Matthews, Earl Cameron, Alan White, Donald van der Martin. Oh, great name. Uh, Christopher Dunham and designer Peter Kindred, which is moderated by Toby Haydoke. Um, you've got a making of uh, called Frozen Out. You've got the episode four VHS reconstruction, uh, which was made up of the existing audio stills and surviving clips, which was on the VHS release back in 2000, which I think you can also see on places like Daily Motion online. Yeah. If you if you if you can't wait, you could just uh, just uh, type in the Tenth Planet on the Daily Motion website, and you. Can... Well, if you can't wait, you've probably already found it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, production subtitles, photo gallery, and a coming soon trailer. And on this too, uh, you've got the William Hartnell interview, which we kind of missed out on. Um, it sort of news broke after the last time we recorded. It was uh, a very short interview uh, with William Hartnell uh, whilst he was in Panto doing Puss in Boots. He was interviewed in his breast in his uh, dressing room. What's the dressing room? <laughs> in his dressing room. Sorry. Yeah, but but uh, ball account. Some somebody. Um, I, I can't remember where I, where I heard this now, or, or read it rather, but uh, apparently the interviewer said he couldn't wait to get out of the room yes. <laughs> after in, interviewing Hartnell because of the, the grumpiest old bastard he's ever come across. <laughs> um, okay, are going to interview you next week. Next next uh, thing is a Doctor Who stories of Annika Wills as she looks back at her role as uh, Polly. Uh, the Golden Age... Uh, looks at the myth of a golden age of Doctor Who. Boys, boys, boys. Uh, no, it's not the that video with uh, Sabrina. Um, although that would be quite good, actually. Um, uh, it's about Peter Purvis, Fraser Hines and Mark Strickson reminisce about the time as companions. Uh, companion piece. Um, a psychologist writes some of the Doctor's companions over the years examine what it means to be a Tomlin's fellow traveller. And Blue Peter, Doctor Who's 10th anniversary. So that yeah. sounds like one of the other previous... Um, Things that was I can't remember which DVD it was. Now they have another Blue Peter thing on it, but yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's where they've only got the, it's the only place they've got stuff from. Exactly. Now, um, two DVD releases coming out this month, uh, September. Uh, number one, Scream of the Schalke, uh released on the sixteenth of September. Um, that's got a commentary with Paul Cornell, uh, director Wilson Milam, and producer James Goss. You've got behind the scenes documentary called Carry On Screaming. 
The Screaming Sessions cast and crew interviews recorded at the time of the production. 2003 that was now, blimey. Um, yeah. Interweb Affair, brief history of the BBC website and the role it's played in, with Doctor Who. Soundtrack album, production information subtitles, photo gallery and another coming soon trailer. And current lastly uh, in September for DVD releases, I think the one we've all been waiting for, the one I've certainly been waiting for, Terror of the Zygons. Yes, can't wait for this one. Um, now on here we have... Uh, a commentary with Philip Hinchcliffe, Robert Banks Stewart, uh, production unit manager George Galaccio, makeup artist Sylvia James, and sound effects producer Dick Mills, which is moderated by Mark Ayres. A documentary called Scotch Mist in Sussex, which is the making of Terror of the Zygons, remembering Douglas Camfield. Which is about time we had something for him. Indeed, on indeed. These. Um, especially because everyone sort of really, anytime there's a, a making of any other stories that he's been involved in. They always say what a fantastic director he was. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely right. Um, another documentary called The Unit Family Part 3. Uh, Doctor Who Stories, Tom Baker. He talks about his work on the series. Uh, apparently, there's an interview recorded in 2003 for the story of Doctor Who. Uh, another one, Doctor Who Stories, Elizabeth Sladen. Um, again, recorded at the same time for the story of Doctor Who in 2003. Merry Go Around, The Fuel Fishers. Um, now, I remember reading this in an um, autobiography. Uh, Elizabeth Sladen flies uh, out to visit a North Sea oil rig. Yes. It talks about the process of oil exploration in this school's programme from 1977. I can remember Merry Go Round as a school's programme. Same here, yeah. Can't but, necessarily remember that one. Nah. Um, South Today is a Tom Baker interview on location for Terror of the Zygons for a BBC regional news programme. Disney Time featuring the fourth Doctor. Apparently, that's an Easter egg on there. Hmm. Hmm. Now, I remember Disney time, and I do remember they used to like, rope in the odd um, British celebrity to link some Disney film clips together, didn't they? Yeah. But I can't really remember Tom Baker being there. That's going to be quite interesting. Um, you've got an isolated score on there as well. You've got the Dolby 5.1 um, option to listen surround sound, photo gallery, Radio Times billings, coming soon trailer, and production subtitles. So that's uh, that's certainly something worth looking forward to. I yeah. really do th- that's really good. That is really good. Um, now on to Audio Go September releases. Um, obviously, you've got the next Destiny the Doctor coming up, uh, which should be released tomorrow. I think so. Monday the second. I've got a bullet. I, I, yeah. I'm quite sure. Um, if, if you're listening to this as soon as it comes out, it's tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Yes. Um, now this one's called Night of the Whisper. Obviously, it's a ninth Doctor story. And it's narrated by Elizabeth... Elizabeth... Elizabeth I was going to say Elizabeth Spriggs. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas Briggs. <laughs> is, is there something that you know we don't? <laughs> Has he been living a lie? <laughs> I was getting him confused. Why I was getting him confused with the actress Elizabeth Spriggs. I've got absolutely no idea. <laughs> oh, dear. Um... Yeah, basically, this story features uh, Ninth Doctor with Captain Jack and Rose Tyler. Yes. Well, there is a blurb on there, I'm not going to read it. Um, and they've also got an audio version of uh, The Trial of the Time Lord, Volume 1. And it's read by Linda Bellingham and Colin Baker. Yes. Hmm. Okay. And then you've also got the TV Episodes Collection, which is uh, Volume 6, um, which is basically just the, the, the soundtrack adventure with, with added linking narration. Yeah, which you've probably already purchased anyway. If, if you're if you're a big fan, so there you go. Right now, 
on to the Doctor Who prom. Now, who watched it this week? I haven't yet. <laughs> yeah, I did, and I'm going to turn my heating up to get the full experience again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, but of course we saw it live, didn't we? Yes, yes. yes. Um, yeah, it was watched by 1.2 million viewers. I can't believe I'm giving stats on a Doctor Who prom now. Um, which, for a bank holiday Monday afternoon, which was yeah. with rather good weather as well, yeah, isn't too bad. No. Um, and it, it won the time slot anyway. It beat The Incredible Hulk on ITV, yes. which had 0.9 million viewers watching. watching. That's incredible, actually, that a prom actually sort of beat a, a feature film. Yeah, it's been on a few times, though, hasn't it? So. Um, it's the bank holiday it is the bank film, isn't it? So exa- it's... Yeah, it's. Um, I'm, I'm assuming it wasn't the, the Bill Bixby Incredible no. Hulk. It was the no. uh, uh, Ed, Ed Norton one. Yes. I'm, I'm assuming, but... Um, yeah, as I say, I still haven't watched it. I've been away most of this week, so um, I haven't had a chance to sit down and watch it yet. So just see if I... Did, were we in the audience, Paul? Were we, were we spotted? Were we, I, I couldn't see us. We no. didn't get on TV. Damn. Ah. Oh, well. That was that was our that was our moment gone. Never mind. Um, now on to last week's BFI. Now um, last week was the Ninth Doctor, a showing of uh, Bad Wolf and Journey's End. Not Journey's End. Part of the Ways. Part of the Ways. Uh, no, we're going to see Journey's End. Sorry, at the end of this. <laughs> I had special thinking that you thought you might have missed Journey's End. Yeah, I know it was there actually. Now, um, obviously, Chris Frickston wasn't there, but they did read out um, a message. That he composed especially for the for the showing, and he says, "I love the BFI, I love the Doctor, and I hope you enjoy this presentation." Joe Ahern directed five of the thirteen episodes of the first series. He understood the tone the show needed completely: strong, bold, pacey visuals coupled with wit, warmth, and a twinkle in the performances. Misses. Um, if Joe agrees to, to direct the one hundredth anniversary special, I will bring my sonic and a stair lift. And providing the Daleks don't bring theirs, I, the Ninth Doctor, vow to save the universe and all you apes in it. So basically that means he's not going to have anything else to do with Doctor Who until it gets to its 100th, episode, 100th yeah. anniversary, I should say. Um, oh, I think that's pretty much... Uh, but it also tends to suggest that the only person he had any time for was Joe, Joe Hearn. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty telling, really, isn't it? Yeah. It makes you wonder if he'd have sent along the same message if Keith Boke had been sitting there. <laughs> yeah. Probably not, actually. He probably would still have said Joe, still have said Joe Hunter at five to three, and he understood what it was all about. Yeah. Unlike you, Keith Boak. <laughs> yeah, that's um, yeah, that's quite interesting. I know this has been read out on other podcasts anyway, but um, I, I just thought it was quite um, quite an, an interesting me- message, and it was nice that he sent a message along. Yeah, I mean, it, it did at least go that far as to... Yeah, it did sort of acknowledge the fact that it wasn't Doctor <laughs> Who. That's to ask somebody to write a message for him. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> Now, of course, the the other big news announced at the BFI last week was that David Tennant and Paul McGann will be at their respective sh- um, showings. Yes. Um, so, obviously, the uh, ninth Doctor... Uh, ninth Doctor, we just had that one. Tenth Doctor with David Tennant. That'll be on Sunday, the 29th of September. And then the following week, uh, on the 5th of October, Paul McGann will be yes. there. So, um, so, we're lucky enough to have got tickets for, for both of those. Yeah. We struck gold, so um, something to look forward to. I'm, I'm not surprised they didn't announce that until after the tickets had gone on sale, or, or sold, I should say. Uh, the, the point is, though, they didn't actually have to... They don't actually have to say who's going to be on the panels, do they, to sell the, 
to sell the tickets. Well, no, no, no. Could you imagine if they said David Tennant and Paul McGann would have been there? They, oh they, yeah, it, it would have like the, the amount of people applying would have. It would have. Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how many. I, I, I don't triple, quadrupled. I don't know. I don't know how many. You know, I don't know how far I can go, really. But I think it really would have been made it tough for people to get tickets. Tougher than usual, put it that way. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure that it, it was only members, wasn't it, in the ballots? So I'm not sure how many other members that weren't interested in Doctor Who wouldn't have applied. And if you was interested in Doctor Who, I think you'd have applied already anyway. So. Yeah, I think just the fact that that David Tennant and Paul McGann factor would have added more people into the mix. I really do. Yeah. No. Because the, the the TV movie isn't that well regarded. I don't no. think people within, as you say, it would have been the diehard fans would yeah. have gone to it. But now McGann's going, I think that would have got your, your casual fans going a bit more. I mean, I can understand not releasing the, the news of the panel for the Ninth Doctor one until after they'd sold the tickets. <laughs> In a reverse sort of way, but I think. Oh dear. Well, I haven't heard anything else about it yet, so um, I don't right. know how how, um, how how good it was last week. How entertaining the panel was. The BFI usually release, don't they? The video. Yeah, it. yeah. That hasn't so. uh, hasn't come out yet, has it? So, no. Um, oh well, never mind. Never mind. Now, in relation to the fiftieth anniversary, um, obviously, big finish are doing their uh, their bit as well this year, and they've got an audio called Light at the End, um, which is going to be released in November. Now, they've done um, sort of special, a very very limited edition vinyl release of the, of this story as well. Um, and I think, well, there's only, what, 500 copies? Yeah. Um, so chances are they've probably been pre-ordered and, and snapped up already, I would, uh, I would imagine. But yeah, it's got... Apparently it says here there's four four albums. I love saying that albums actually. So one, two, and three. I've got the, the story at light at the end. This four has got the making of light at the end, which is a forty minute uh, documentary. It's exclusive to that vinyl release as well. So uh, it's got four way gatefold sleeve, rigid slipcase, ooh, um, an array of professional photos of the cast, um, and it's got an exclusive thirty centimeter by thirty centimeter lenticular image. Which yes. I'm looking at right now, and it does look rather cool, actually. Yeah, I'm looking at the sort of animated GIF version of it. It does look rather good. I do quite like that. And there's also a limited edition five CD um, disc set as well. Yeah, um, which the making of the Light of the End is on 70 that minutes. One is Seventy minutes. <laughs> so you get exclusively thirty minutes chopped off of the vinyl. <laughs> Uh, and you've got uh, the Doctor. Uh, this is Doctor at Big Finish, another seventy-minute documentary as well. Yes. Um, and the Companion Chronicles: The Revenants, read by uh, William Russell as Ian Chesterton. Yeah. I don't know why that's maybe that's an exclusive one to that. It doesn't say it's exclusive, but I suppose it ties in. Yeah, and I suppose they, they add that one because it ties in something to the first Doctor, doesn't it? If yeah, I suppose so. But uh, but anyway. Um, it is released on on the anniversary day itself, the twenty third of November. Yes, so that's good. That is good. Okay, right now, um, one other little um, item as well. Now, apparently, there's a comedian, Tom Crane. I don't think he's sort of purposely revealed or accidentally revealed that BBC Three are putting together a special show celebrating the Doctor's fiftieth anniversary. Yes. So far, we don't know too much about it, but apparently, it's it's we. Th- People believe it's along the lines of one of those um, top fifty greatest moments things. Right. So expect lots of Big Brother contestants 
and uh, people never you've never heard of to uh, quote their their favourite bits of, of the Doctor. It'd probably be the usual thing of uh, oh yeah, wobbly sets and cheap rubber monsters. What was all that about? So I'm I'm expecting the usual banal comments from these people. What do you think, Paul? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it you don't know, do you? I mean, I, I when I don't even know who comedian Tom Crane is. So that that just says it all, really. I, do you know him? Uh, not particularly as to anything nah. he's done. No, nah. So yeah, that, that, yeah. well, it's it's nice to actually doing something, but um, do do we really need another clip show? Um, they've already done for, it, haven't they? Well, I don't know. I mean, we moan that they don't do anything, <laughs> and then we moan that they don't do the right things. So. Yeah, but BBC Three have already done this sort of thing before. They when they did sort of like the the um, you know, the top ten greatest monsters, the top ten companion moments and and I must admit it was all linked to the new series they completely ignored the old series yeah well this is a question of whether they will actually mm. go back and do the well if they're celebrating classic, if they're doing 50 years they should be doing classic they stuff should as well, be now. yeah but I've yeah. Got, I've, I have a, a suspicion it'll be heavily bent towards the new series yeah but oh, oh. well there we go now um that's it for the... Oh, actually, no, there's one last bit of news, actually, and we're sort of ending this news section on a, on a little bit of a sad note. We a couple of um, Who actors have, have passed away recently. Um, first of all, Gerard Murphy, um, who you may remember played Richard Maynard in the 1988 story Silver Nemesis. Uh, apparently, he'd been battling cancer the last two and a half years, um, and sadly he died at his home on um, on Monday, bank, last bank holiday Monday. So that's uh, that's sad. And then um, also the passing of Christopher Burgess. No, not that Christopher Burgess. Um, no, actor Christopher Burgess, who appeared in um, three roles in Doctor Who. Uh, he was in The Enemy of the World, uh, Terror of the Autons, and his last story was Planet of the Spiders as well. And he passed away at the age of 86. Yes. So, yeah, yeah so very sad. Okay, then. Right. Now, let's um, go off a complete tangent there, and we're going to go to a bumper edition of Omega's Tat Corner. You pester me with trinkets! Right, now, um, it, this really is a bumper edition. We, we, so we've been away for a couple of weeks, and um, there's been a couple of things mentioned, what we're going to talk about now, they've all been mentioned on other podcasts, but um, I, th- I think it's, it's worth talking about again, actually, anyway. Now, there's a new Doctor Who range, it says here, for the 5th anniversary, which is basically... More scarves. More Doctor Who scarves. Um, yes, we've got, um, which I don't know if it's another fourth Doctor scarf here, yeah. actually. Um, and it's the burgundy one from uh, the season 18. So they, they, I think they're, they're the one who did the, the, the more well-known multicoloured um, fourth Doctor scarf. They've done a, a burgundy one now. They've also done a seventh Doctor silk scarf and question mark jumper. Yes. Ooh. Again, I don't think I'll be purchasing it. I mean, it's it's it's. You're very, tempted very well by rendered. the jumper, aren't you? Oh no, oh, no. Okay. I, I, I'm sorry. Um, tank tops are not my thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> Especially ones covered in, in bloody question marks. <laughs> um, now, apparently, this is all for. Uh, you can. They're not for sale yet. I think you can you can pre-order them from places like Forbidden Planet, um, Adventure Guns, and the Doctor Who Experience in Cardiff. And apparently there's an exclusive Dalek scarf. I haven't got a photograph of that one here, but you can get them from the company that makes them. It's called lavazi.co.uk, Forbidden Planet, BBC Shop. Um, and that's from uh, from this month, actually. It goes on sale this month. Um, I've got no price in this 
though, unfortunately. No. Absolutely no prizes, but um, what do you reckon? How much was that fourth Doctor, fourth, the first fourth Doctor Scott? About 50 quid, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I can see these going for around about the same price. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dear. Right, okay. Now, next one. Um, this is something that you came across, wasn't it, Paul? Oh, what? We're on to the coasters, are we? We're on to the coasters. This is from Forbidden Planet International. Marquee, yes, have been playing uh, international. Yes, Gallifreyan coasters. It's a new design, though. It is a new design. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it, it's really what that they are buffed to a shine. <laughs> ah, that's an offer you can't refuse. <laughs> Especially seeing as they're also finished on the bottom with heavy with heavy black felt. Well, I, I'm sorry, I wouldn't buy them if they weren't. To be honest, I know. I know. Um, now, they're made from a polyurethane resin with added aluminium powder or, lu- or aluminium to our North American yes. uh, listeners. Now, sealed with buff to a shine. You missed that, the other important bit here, Paul. They're sealed with an automotive lacquer. Yes. Okay. Um, as you say, finished on the bottom with a heavy black felt. Um, each coast is handmade in the rubber toe workshop. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> is that some? <laughs> Is that some sort of sex shop up in Soho? <laughs> I was actually wondering whether we've actually bought players that have been made in the I, rubber toe. Well, most of my football club has bought players that have been made in the rubber toe <laughs> workshop with some of their shooting ability. Um, it's the same place that apparently made the new TARDIS console. Right. There are 18 new symbols designed by the Doctor Who art department and they've chosen uh, four of the best to be turned into these sleek, sharp items ready to adorn your tables. The cost, £44.99. Yes. For four coasters, I ask you. I'm sorry, that's just um rip-off, actually. <laughs> You'd be actually moving them out of the way and asking people to put the mugs straight onto the table. Exactly, you? <laughs> would you... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Would you... <laughs> would you mind leaving a huge coffee ring on my... On my antique furniture, please, because I don't want to get my Doctor Who coasters dirty. They cost, for, they cost for, more than that. Yeah, I pay 45 quid for those sodding coasters. Jesus. Oh, God. Right, okay. Now, You're getting a coaster to put on top of your coaster. I know. <laughs> now, if you thought that was expensive, wait till you see this one, again from Forbidden Planet. Now, have you ever fancied owning a bit of a TARDIS? Yes. Yeah? Just, just a tiny bit of it. Maybe like um, a door? Yeah, I mean, always handy. Yeah, exactly. Well, your dreams have come true, Paul, because you can buy a replica TARDIS door from Forbidden Planet. Now, again, it's from Rubber Toe Replicas. <laughs> yes. Oh, it was a Rubber Toe Workshop last time. But, yes. um, uh, yeah, now, it's not a door. It's not the door to the TARDIS. It's actually the, uh, the door to get to the telephone. Yes. On the TARDIS. Uh, basically, it's just the little door with the public telephone, free for use of the public, uh, sign on it. Um, it's hand-painted emulsion version. It's They've measured the original. It says it's spoken with the carpenters, chatted with the painters, sourced the handles, and original paint, and tracked down the CAD files for the lettering. So... So it's as genuine as they can yes. make it, basically. I'd I, I slightly wonder why I needed to speak to the the carpenters, really. If you'd measured the original, what was the carpenters going to tell them? Exactly. Was anything else that they exactly. needed to know? Um, okay, now it's it's um, 
Made from laser-cut opal perspex and black lettering, chrome-plated door handle and wooden frame, finely finished with a dusting of satin lacquer. Thanks. Okay. Now, apparently, they offer the, the door in two different finishes. Uh, first is the blue that features on the present Matt Smith TARDIS, which is a hand-painted emulsion paint. And the second is a sprayed automotive paint that was used on the previous Matt Smith TARDIS. Yes. Okay. I was actually thinking, though, actually, if they said they'd talk to the carpenters, is that because this is for calling occupants of interplanetary <laughs> craft? <laughs> oh, dear. I was waiting for that one. <laughs> Sorry, it took me a bit of time to realise that one. Yes, actually, it did. Though. Yes, yes. Uh, we all saw it coming. But <laughs> um, Now, this is available to pre-order from Forbidden Planet. It doesn't go on sale until the 15th of September. This is yours at the, well... At the extortionate price of three hundred and forty-nine pounds ninety-nine pence. Yes. My God. I mean, what are they thinking? Are they think? I mean, I know people will buy this stuff, but bloody hell! <laughs> That's what they're thinking. <laughs> to be honest. Exactly. I mean, I, I mean, oh, three hundred and oh, that is just that is just taking the piss. That really is. I'm sorry. It would be cheaper for us to go and talk to the carpenters. <laughs> <laughs> Painters and get the handles, wouldn't it? That rather is, than actually just buy it. Extortionate, three hundred and fifty pounds. Good God! Now um, let's let's move on. Let's move on. Um, now I'm saving the best one to last. This isn't the last one, but this is second to last. You remember a couple of weeks ago, we we um, bought you um, an item of tap from a company called Entertainment Earth that brings Hollywood home. Um, yes. Yeah, because it's still too pissed to drive itself. Yes. Um, yeah, they've got another. Um, little thing going on here. The Doctor Who and Dalek sets wave. It sets wave one set. It's called here. Now, basically, what it is, it's they've got three um, sets: uh, a Dalek and a Doctor. So you've got uh, Patrick Troughton with uh, a silver and blue Dalek. You've got Colin Baker with the uh, white and gold Dalek, and you've got uh, David Tennant with the bronze and gold Dalek. Um, yes. They're sort of making these out to be like exclusives. Maybe they are in in because obviously this is uh, a North American site. Um, hey, to me, it just looks like the character options figures again. Yeah. In different boxes. They just recycled them. Yeah, they have just recycled them. Um, now you can buy these three as a box set. Basically, you buy all three sets um, for that princely sum of one hundred and thirty-four dollars ninety-nine cents. Yes. Uh, which is what? About 120 quid? Yeah, I think so. I mean, again, that is pretty steep. That is pretty bloody steep. That is unbelievable. It's got free shipping, though. Yes. Well, that's, that's, well at least it's better than that um, that bear that was oh, God, extortionately yeah. expensive and then you had to pay for postage and packaging on top. <laughs> yeah, that's... Um, yeah, so if, if you haven't... Or if you want sort of American versions of the character options uh, figures, then um, head on over to entertainmenterf.com. Yes. And if you want to pay through the nose for stuff you could really buy in this country for less than <laughs> half the price. Yes. Jesus. Right, okay. Now, I really am saving the best till last here, actually. Paul, you, you like Doctor Who, don't you? Yes. We, we wouldn't be doing this podcast otherwise, would we? No. No. Um, do you also like... Um, you know, the, the length of Dr. Sonic Screwdriver. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool little, little prop, isn't it? Yeah. Um, how, do you also like pizza? Um, judging by the size of me, yes. <laughs> well, um, have you ever thought about merging all those things together? 
In what way? Well, well, now you can, Paul, because you can get a sonic screwdriver talking pizza cutter. Yay! Yay! <laughs> that, 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 that obvious... Um... <laughs> Paul is whenever you're told with that. <laughs> exactly. It's Oh, God, this is getting worse and worse. Um, now, I don't actually know what it does with regards to talking pizza cutter. Yes. No idea what it does. I mean, obviously, it's it's what the world's been crying out for. The, the marrying of pizza and Doctor Who. Yes. I know we said before that the bottom of that barrel has been well and truly scraped. Right? They've gone through the barrel, now at the Earth's core with this one. I, th- I mean, why? What were they thinking? <laughs> They'd be cooking pizza in the Earth's core. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what were they bloody thinking of? I mean, that's just terrible. That is just absolutely terrible. Yeah, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand why this has been made. I don't see... I just don't see it. I just, I, I just don't see it. What? what you don't like pizza? What, what I, I, I mean, someone bought me a Homer Simpson um, bottle opener, right? Mm. So basically when you open up, it goes, mmm, beer, right? And, and some other Homer Simpson sayings. That works because Homer Simpson likes beer, Yes. Yes. Since when have you seen an episode where the doctor has um, ordered a pizza and cut it with his sonic <laughs> screwdriver? No, we haven't, have we? <laughs> I mean, that is just the, the, the most ridiculous piece of tat I've ever ever come across. Yes. Yeah. Um, you can pre-order that for twelve. I just want to wrap this up because I'm so disgusted with this one. Um, you can wrap this up. Um, wrap this up. For Christmas, obviously. Um, <laughs> oh, there's excitement for you. Yeah, imagine, imagine opening that. <laughs> the excitement of Christmas, Christmas morning, you open up and you find a sonic screwdriver talking pizza is it, car. Is it the DVD of Terror of the Zygons? No. <laughs> Terror of the Vervoids and a sonic screwdriver talking pizza car. <laughs> if I... <laughs> well, if someone bought that for me for Christmas, I will then show them exactly what you can do with a sonic screwdriver <laughs> talking pizza car. It's not cutting pizza. Um... For the perfect home, home cooked, romantic meal. This only all you need is the sonic screwdriver, candle lighter, and you're a wire. <laughs> there probably is one of those as well. <laughs> that, that, that's that's it. Be out next month. <laughs> right. Okay. You can pre-order this for twelve pounds ninety nine from Forbidden Planet, and it's released on the thirtieth of September. Yes. Hooray! Hooray! Actually, while I've been looking at that, I've come across one one other bit of tat. Mm. Um, a, a length Doctor Fob watch. Oh, right. Um, which I must admit, I've never seen the length Doctor use ever. No. Have you? No. Um, it looks exactly the same as the um, the tenth Doctor Fob watch, to be honest. And the clock face has got a a Doctor each hour, basically. So yes. Yeah. They're just getting ready, aren't they? Because they want the twelfth one to come out. So yeah, they exactly. Well, have yeah. got the twelve Doctors. Well, exactly. Yeah. So the. Uh, the 12 at the moment is just DW at the yeah. top. So, um, yeah, you can pre-order that for £32.99, and that is also uh, available from the 30th of September. Oh, I'm talking of tat. I see, see now we're really ramping up the commercials for the DW figurines and magazines. Yes, they? yes they, they have, haven't they? Um, you know, notice that's nearly on every other ad break at the moment, as far as I can see, from well, what they, I watch. Well, they really shouldn't zoom in on the figures. It doesn't do them any justice, really, does it? No. I mean, this is probably what they meant by wall-to-wall Doctor Who this year, is we're going to have that advert every break. Oh, dear. I actually looked up, because I find you always, when you see these collection things, is how many? And at the moment, they're saying, 
at the moment it's planned to be 80. 80? 80. And at £7 or 6 99 a go, do the maths. Rip off. That's, what I, that's, what, that's my conclusion. It's rip off. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, uh, it's planned to be 80. Unless we can actually start to, we can start adding even more later on. And they will do, though. They and people will, will then feel like, oh, I've got 80 now. There's another 10. I might as well get those. They do this every time. They, they do these figure things. They go, oh, it's 80 yeah. to collect. Now, due to popular demand, there's yes. more. There we go. There we go. Right. Okay, then. That's a rather long use item, so uh, and a long Omega's Tack Corner, and um, well, we we know at least one person likes Omega's Tack Corner, don't we? Yes. Yeah. Well, you know who you are. <laughs> you you you. Oh, why you enjoy this? I'll never know. Um, okay, then, folks. So for another week, then that was the news. Okay, everybody. It's now time to kick off our review of the Big Finish production. Red Dawn. Launch control, this is Houston. We confirm we are going for launch. We have liftoff at exactly 11 a.m. EST, June 4th. Houston, you have control. Ares 1 has cleared the tower. We've arrived. So it would seem, Perry, yes. Great. Do we know where we are? Uh, not, um, uh, not entirely. Now, let's get Argosy down to the surface of Mars in one piece, shall we? I did promise you a tour of another alien world. Now that is interesting. What the hell is that? What? Outside. It looks like there's something inside. I can't see what it is, though. Oh, my God. Commander Forbes, we're losing audio. Lee, Lee, what's going on? Talk to us, Commander. Lee! Right, whose turn is it to go first? Uh, I think it's mine, unless sure. you want to go. No, no, you go for it, Paul. What, what do you think of this one? Um, I quite liked it, actually. Yeah? Okay. okay. <laughs> that sounds, oh, you sound surprised. Now I'm interested. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised, actually. But Okay. Yeah. No, I, I did quite like it. It's, it's a simple enough story. It's a typical Fifth Doctor story, isn't it, where he's sort of the uh, mediator between two arguing factions in terms of the... Earth people and the Ice Warriors here, or at least trying to calm the Ice Warriors into doing something silly. Yeah, yeah. Um, slightly uh, as they do. I mean, it's almost a bit. Found myself thinking it was Ice Warriors of the Deep, almost, where he's trying to stop the in there trying to stop the Silurians from killing the Earth people. Now he's got the Ice Warriors trying to stop them killing the Earth people. You had to ruin it by mentioning Warriors of the Deep, didn't you? <laughs> I said I quite liked it, though. <laughs> what more is it, the deep? <laughs> well, no, this actually, I did as I was as I was uh, listening to this. Though, I was trying to imagine it very brightly lit. <laughs> so, yes, yes. Just to get the effect. <laughs> actually, I, I, I'm going to say I, I do actually agree with you. Yeah. On this, I, I did. <laughs> I was surprised. Yeah. <laughs> no, I did enjoy it. I did enjoy this one. It's, I've listened to this like two or three times uh, now. But I've had this one for um, a few months. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I think it's a good story. Um, I did a sort of bit of a, a bit of digging around on this, and this one didn't go down very well when it was released. Right, it was one of the first ones, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, it was the first um, Fifth Doctor and Perry story. Yeah, and it's thirteen years old now. Yeah, May two thousand. 
this this uh, this one was released, which just goes to I think just to, to you know hammers home the fact that just how long Beef Finish has been going. Yeah, you know it's it's incredible. But um, yeah, apparently this didn't have a very good response from from fans, and I don't quite understand why. I think no. it's, I think it's a perfectly serviceable story. It is, and it is a typical Fifth Doctor story. Yeah, um, I I like the Peter Davison and Nicola Bryant pairing. Yeah, I, I think, think she really got into it a lot more as it went on. Yeah, and I, actually, I do like the. Um, I think you can tell she enjoyed it because the way Perry was written, she wasn't a screaming damsel in distress. No, in this, she was actually sort of quite willing to. Um, Sort of take more of a, a frontline role, wasn't she? Yeah, she takes control basically in the capsule, doesn't she? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, which I, which I liked. Um, I liked um, Peter Davis in this. It was almost. I know it's sort of done a few years ago now, but um, the way he played it is, it was like he never left the role. Yeah, he, he did it very much like he's. Um, I know it's he's playing the same character, but it, it, he sounded very much like his TV incarnation. You know, as if he, he just sort of... Um, it was like an audio take, taken from a TV show. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah. The, you know, the way he done it. Um, yeah, I, 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 you know, I thought he was really, really good. Really good. Um, and what also, like, Nicola Bright, also, she'd sort of toned down the American accent a little bit. Well, this is what I'm saying about she growing, because I think it started a bit when they first land. She's, she's a bit there with it. Yeah. But then I think, yeah, as it goes on, it, it gets more into what you yeah. feel quite natural sounding. Yeah. Well, it's not as bad as... Uh, what we've uh, just had in the... The, the, the Doctors. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah, that because that was pretty pretty bad, actually, our accent yeah. in that one. Um, but no, I, I really did enjoy listening to the pair of them. Yeah. Really did. But um, what about the actual... Um, actually, there's one... Actually, before I sort of go into the story, there's, there's one thing that does sort of kind of irk me somewhat and doesn't not irk me but sort of um sort of ruin something with with these fifth doctor and perry stories is the fact it does take away the because they're all set um after uh planet of because this story follows on directly from planet of fire yeah in in the apparently in the, in the continuity of things yeah. so you've got all these stories between planet of fire and case of androzani now the whole thing about the caves of androzani is the doctor Sacrificed his life to save Perry, basically someone he barely knew. That was yeah. the whole point about it. that. That sort of summed up his doctor. He was willing to lay, you know, lay down his life for, for basically a complete stranger. Yeah. But having all these stories now in between takes that away. Uh, I suppose so. I mean, it's, it's difficult to know how else they could do them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, it's just that it's they just haven't that... got a lot to. I mean, with the other ones, they can sort of. If you're going to have companions you can sort of throw them in as odd times and you're never quite sure where they could fit into the scheme of things but obviously with the fifth doctor and perry you've really got only a, a short window that they could have very, been in very short window yeah but it, it, it just that when i was sort of listening to it, it just sort of like occurred to me that you know that was the whole point of the doctor's death in case in the case of androzani yeah you know he, he was it was it was that you know, selfless sacrifice, but um, yeah, it just, it just sort of took it. Okay, that's if you're gonna, you know, not everyone listens to Big Finish. So if you don't listen to Big Finish, then fine. You know, it's yeah. not gonna, you know, it's, it's not gonna make a hell of a lot of difference to you. 
But for those of you who do, I just wonder if anyone else has got the same opinion, whether it does sort of take that edge off of Androzani now, knowing these stories sort of sit in between. But um, I hadn't thought of it, and I don't think I really... <laughs> <laughs> Makes any difference to me at all? To be Am honest. I overanalyzing again, Paul? Yes, you yeah, are. I, I think th- you I are. Think I, might be. I think I, I think might you be. are. Um, I, I, I think there's some point where you can take continuity and forget about it. I think, and yeah, this may well be there. Maybe, maybe one of the times. But, but it's just that fact is always there because there was, there was only two stories where the Fifth Doctor and Perry were together. Yeah, I think the, the I think the the big finish stories would have sort of sat in there a bit more easily if there had been more television stories. Yes. But yeah, but uh, as you say, as we you know, as we said over analysing possibly. But uh, um, now the story. Now we're going to get to spoiler territory now. So um, if you haven't listened to Red Dawn, turn off now. Go and listen to it and come back. So we're now going to discuss the plot. Yes. Now, what do you think about the plot? It was yeah, it's quite interesting. Um, didn't obviously it took me a bit of time to realise where it was going. Because you had the clues about when he, he says DNA, doesn't he, right at the beginning, right at the beginning. what they found, yeah. and didn't necessarily pick up on that at all. Whether that would actually, you would get inherent um, ability to work stuff just from having DNA of another species in you, I don't know. Yeah, it's, 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 that, it's that thing Doctor Who does, it's that um, apparently DNA has memory in it as well. Yes. Yeah, um... Maybe it's just an instinct thing. I don't know. Maybe it's sort of... Again, does DNA pass on instincts? No, I wouldn't say well, it does. But It's the it's the nature and nurture art argument, isn't it? Yeah, Which I don't it. think we necessarily... No, I don't think we should go into right now. <laughs> it's not really. I suppose, although I suppose this is probably a, a safe subject, as any. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to, to tackle it with, but no, I don't think we will. I don't do. think so. I don't think so. It didn't actually... It, it, it sort of made sense in the... If you, if you don't try and say, well, this is obviously biologically impossible. Um, so, no, I quite enjoyed that bit. I think that was, yeah, it gave it a nice little twist. Yeah. Now, the only thing about that twist, the fact it only came in the last episode. Yes. They, they could have done a bit more with that, possibly during the course of the story, but... Uh, no, no, that's, that's actually why I quite liked it, was because they didn't overplay it. They gave you little pointers to it. I, I said about DNA, the fact that she... Work, she knew where the how the weapon worked the first time she'd seen it, mm. which you didn't also necessarily... You sort of thought, well, that was odd when you listened to it, but didn't pick up why she'd know that. Yeah, yeah, possibly, possibly, yeah. I, I, to me, it, did just, it was just a little bit sort of like, you know, bang, that came out of, came out of nowhere. But um, yeah. as, as you but, say, there were the little... There were the mm. clues... You know, the little yeah. seeds of think, it sewn all the way through. And I think that made, uh, worked for me. Because I actually did enjoy the fact that you suddenly had the oh right now that sort of makes sense. Yeah, well, I say it, mean, it did wrap up the story, didn't it? You know, it, yeah, it, it, it served its it did serve its purpose. It wasn't a, like a sort of just dropped in for the sake of it. No, it, it, it what it did was actually give them a reasonable get out as to how they could drive an armored uh, uh, ice warrior's armored vehicle. Yeah, rather than. Just the usual, oh, you know, we can just drive any. I can just drive anything, sort of character. Yeah, that, that, that sort of put in. Yeah, that that sort of thing really really does um, really does annoy me when yeah. they, when they do that. I, I, I think the, the one that really irked me the most was in um, Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. shut up, phone! I'm, I'm nicking off the uh, the <laughs> I'm nicking off the uh, Ferris project now, but uh, bloody phone. Um, 
Yeah, now I was going to say Jurassic Park when you've got the um, the Lex character when they're when they're trying to reboot the reboot the the, uh, the, the parks systems. Yeah, it's just go looks around and go, a Unix system. I know this, and it's sort of they drop these things at the beginning. She was a hacker. Yeah, and, oh, it's a Unix system. I know this, and I thought, oh god, that that would oh, that's that sort of thing that really winds me up because it's sort of like they drop this sort of child into into the middle. Oh yeah, I know Unix. Yeah, I don't think you would. But anyway, yeah, so I'm glad they didn't do that with this. They didn't sort of use that sort of thing. Hey, these controls look similar to Earth controls. Yeah. You know, I mean, that was the other thing they could have done, but then you yeah. just thought well, that's a bit of a, a cop-out. And, and it would have made the thing about, I mean, the reason why the Ice Warriors were willing to let them go to the armoured vehicle in the first place was because they didn't think they had a hope of actually getting it working. Yeah. It was just buying time and getting them away from the uh tomb yeah that's it that's it but uh no i thought it was good i mean i like the the other one i did like about this as well when uh the doctor and perry land for once the doctor doesn't know where he where he is yeah and, and i've forgotten what that was like in doctor who the fact that you know there was a time when the, when the doctor didn't know you know everything he didn't know where he where he landed he didn't know what he was looking at all the time and there's that whole thing of uh davison's doctor um Actually, it just reminded me, um, I was recently watching uh, Fall to Doomsday. Yeah. And the fifth Doctor in that one was sort of wandering around that ship, marvelling at all the technology in there. And this was the same. He was just sort of, sort of trying to figure things out and sort of like, you know, it was just, it was just that sense of wonder and, and um, wanting to investigate stuff. Yeah. Which and they, Davison does do a, a good pondering Doctor. He does, yeah. And I... I I'd completely forgotten what it's like to sort of, you know, have, have a Doctor Who story that that does that because now it's just like wham bam, you're straight in into the, you know, into the thick of it. Yeah. But this was sort of a bit more of a build up and a bit more sort of, you know, as you say, you're pondering a bit more. Yes. It was good. It was good. I like it. I like it. But obviously, the whole thing about it is it's it's man's first or the human, sort of Earth's first manned mission uh, to Mars. Yeah. Uh, but it's not all is what it seems. Uh, with the crew, um, obviously, because we said we got the the Tanya Webster character, um, who is been sort of augmented by Martian DNA. Yeah. Um was also played by Georgia Moffat as well. Yes. Um, who of course, you will know is Peter Davison's daughter and David Tennant's wife. And this is the first, I think, and last time Peter Davison and Georgia Moffat have appeared together in a, right. in any any kind of production. I think, but. Uh, um, yeah, I th- actually, I thought she was quite good as well. Yeah. Actually, she was very good. She didn't sort of. I, there was a very sort of um, fine line to tread because she played um, what was it a seventeen, eighteen year old character 17, in this? Yeah. Um, and there is that sort of um, thing where where she finds out that she's sort of not, you know, not completely human. There's that thing to, to sort of go a bit hysterical, but they didn't do that with her. No. Which I was glad about. She just sort of like just sort of like took it on the, I suppose say uh, took it on the chin and then just sort of um, used it to her advantage basically. Yeah, the, I mean that's probably the the point where I suppose you'd say realistically, would you be that calm in taking it? But I don't know. I mean, it works well in this story, and the fact that they was under intense pressure anyway at that point, there was more worrying things happening. Yeah, but it, it, it but it was it was it was done well because if you're picking um, selecting a crew. You know, to to go to your first man mission to Mars, you're not going to take someone who's going to panic at the drop of a hat. No. So it worked in that context. 
Yeah. Because I think if she had a panic and had a big hissy fit, then I don't think it would have worked. Yeah. Definitely not. But um, but what about the Asteroids themselves? I mean, I I like the fact that they kept the the aspect they're not out and out villains. Well, that's that's what I was going to say. I mean, the fact actually that they they actually come they're the most likable characters I think in this <laughs> more than the more than the humans. Yeah, totally. Because at least you feel that they are actually. I mean, there's there's lots of stuff where they're the honourable thing, as in when the Doctor uses the communicator to stop them launching another attack. Yeah, and actually, then when he turns it off, he gives it to them, and they accept that he had them beaten and has shown them mercy, so they will now treat him with the same respect. Yeah. It's all that sort of... It's almost... I suppose you say, it's like Klingon-like, really, isn't it? It's all that um, honour thing, yeah. isn't it? Pro- probably not not as sort of heavy-handed as the, as the Klingon one, I don't think. No. Um, but, it's, yeah, it's just generally... I mean, but even in that sense, though, that the, but not actually getting in the way of their beliefs in terms of the fact that, fine, well, you know, if we have to kill one of our own... Yeah. We will do so, and they will accept that that's the position. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I, I, I dislike the fact that they sort of... I think this is the first Ice Warrior story for Big Finish as well, wasn't it? Yes, I, I believe, believe so, yeah. Um, and I think for a first attempt, I think they, they got the Ice Warriors pretty spot on. They sort of carried on from where um, Pertwee left off, yeah. basically, with the Ice Warriors. Um, and very much um, the new sit there, what we've just had on the telly, has basically very much followed on from this, hasn't it? It has really. I mean, I've, I've heard, I've of... listened to some other Ice Warrior stories, listened to um, sort of some Seventh Doctor ones, um, and again, they've, they've kept it going. Yeah, you know, it, the, the whole thing. The Ice Warriors were the only sort of you know attack you if you attack them. Yeah, you know, the very sort of very um, sort of, as, as, we, as we stated, very honourable. Yeah, or um, at least if they go to war, then there's yeah. a certain amount of. And, um, and that's and by which they yeah. engage combat. Yeah, um, it's sort of like got their own sort of Geneva Convention sort of thing, haven't they? Yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I just I just like that fact that they're not sort of they're not black and white villains, are they? No. There's there's a little bit more to them than than that, and which, which I like. And obviously, the whole setup was that they was hoping to meet somebody of good intentions. Yeah. Which was why the Doctor could you access the doors that nobody else could. Yeah. And I do like the fact, um, as you were talking about, um, so what was it was it Lord Zal, wasn't it? I mean, it's sort of the end, he sort of sacrificed himself. Yes. Which I thought was, was really sort of well done, so they brought on the, like, the Red Dawn of, of yeah. the title, is that he wanted to see one last sunrise, which basically wouldn't, it wasn't the heat that would kill him, it was the fact the atmosphere was so thin, there was nothing to block out the ultraviolet rays. Yeah. So yeah, and should... the fact yeah, the fact that he he sacrificed himself because he promised the doctor he made a promise that the doctor wouldn't die. Yeah. So he's why I'm hoping the doctor would. Well, the, the bargain had been, wasn't it, that the doctor would go free if he offered himself up as prisoner. Yeah, that's it. And even then, you had the. But you must have realised he wasn't going to. The doctor saying to him, you you must have realised that uh, Webster wasn't going to keep his promise. And he says, well, if if we'd have, if I'd have believed that, then I'd have been no better than him. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So it, it, I, I say, I thought it was really well done, and I don't understand why why fans don't like it. No, or a certain section of fans don't like it. I really don't. But uh, it, yeah, yeah, it was reasonably paced. It had good dialogue. Yeah, I mean, um, I must admit, there was one thing when I was listening to this, and I never 
obviously picked up before because this film hadn't been released before uh, before now. Um, when I was listening to this, I thought, hang on a minute, this story is very, very familiar. And basically, it's almost exactly the same as Prometheus. Now, rather, Prometheus has, has ripped off this story. There's the right. fact... Now, you haven't seen Prometheus, have you? No. No, okay. Well, basically, they sort of land... or They, they go looking for... Do you want to say this is spoilers for Spoilers for Prometheus. Oh, <laughs> Anybody else is now oh, bo- they've, they've gone away. They've watched Red Dawn. They've bo- come back. Do you know what? Do you know what? Bollocks of Prometheus because it is a, <laughs> it's a bloody awful film. So I don't, <laughs> There's I, a spoiler for you. Exactly. It's bloody awful. So really, I'm, I'm doing you a favour if I'm spoiling anything for you. Um, yeah, it's... Basically, you've got like a, a, a manned mission to this planet to find um, evidence of alien... Uh, technology. So this is what this does as well. They land in Prometheus. They land right next door to the dome-like structure, which this story does. Um, it's about a conglomerate wanting sort of alien technology, which this story does. Um, you've got the Paul Vickers, uh, sorry, Paul uh, Webster character, which is like Vickers, who was the um, oh, I've got actress's his name now. I've got a complete blank. Charlie Theron's character. Uh, both were working for their respective fathers. So it was like check, 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 check all the way through. Mm. Not, but all I can say is that Prometheus has basically. I'm not saying that they ripped off this story. Someone's even listened to this, one of the writers. But um, it was very, very close to the mark. Yeah, very close to the mark. Right. And sort of accidentally um, awakening um, the sort of like the, the the Martians again, which is almost exactly the same as Prometheus. So I couldn't believe the similarities between the two. I'm interested to see if anyone else thinks the same as well. But you oh. can't comment on that because you haven't seen it. So. <laughs> yeah, I have no, no, no comment on that at no. all. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. So yeah, they're just sort of like, wow, this is really familiar, really familiar. But um, there you go, there you go. So who'd have, who'd have thought it? Ridley Scott has ripped off Big Finish. Yeah. But uh, but talking of Paul Webster, I, I, he's just not another in, in the long line of power crazed idiots, isn't he? Yes. In the history of Doctor Who, um, but I, I, okay, I think I got to think that's where people had a problem with this story—the fact he was a bit of a cliched villain. But I think it worked okay in the concept of the story because it was a basic story, so you needed a basic villain. Yeah, you ne- you needed somebody to be actually for the for the humans to be the the bad guy and the Ice Warriors to be the good guys, didn't you? Really. Yeah. It works much better that way than if it had been the other way around. Yeah. Which would have been cliched. It would have been, yeah. Oh, definitely. But just the fact that it was all, it was all Paul Webster's actions were making the um, the Ice Warriors go on the offensive. Yeah. So it was all his doing, basically, because he wanted all this technology for, you know, basically, basically for, for weapons. The ultimate, he wanted to breathe the ultimate soldier. Um, yeah. So again, I, I suppose he's... How can I put it? He's he's sort of driving force. He's he's sort of his mission really is is very cliched. Yeah, but say, but, but let's not forget. You know, this was made thirteen years ago. Mm. No, and it's yeah. I mean, but it, but it makes sense. The whole the whole thing of it actually does make quite a lot of sense all the way through. You don't really feel that there's that much if you're willing to accept that the DNA can inbreed instinct and whatever. Yeah, then. That's the only really leap you've got to take with this. The rest well, is actually well. If you're a fan, quite of Do- a well structured story. Well, I can say if you're a fan of Doctor Who, then you you know that Doctor Who takes um, some serious liberties with uh, yeah. with 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 the, with the science of DNA. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. So if you but, but that- even down even down to the fact of the why there's no communication between 
the landing ship and Earth or the uh, orbiting ship yeah. is the fact that they've cut the communications because it's part of the protocol if you discover alien life. Yeah, and I like that. I like that bit because that was actually that's a real life um, yeah. NASA report that they they sort of brought into that. So I I, I, I thought it was well done. I yeah, well I don't. I can't think of many other things that were bringing the Brookings report into anything. No, really, don't. No, yeah, but... yeah. It just yeah, it was just a, a nice little touch on that one as well. Rather than it just be oh, it's got damaged or yeah, whatever. Or you even think is it Webster that's done it? Yeah, once that's it. once he's aims become clear, you obviously then think oh, he must have done it. Yeah, and then you find out no, it isn't actually. It's it's protocol for finding alien life, and it was the commander. Yeah. So I, th- I thought that was that was really nicely worked in. I really do. Um, yeah. But yeah, again, I, I just can't see why people don't like this. No, I, the, the, I, don't, I don't see there's anything you can say. It's, it's maybe too simple a story, maybe. But then it's uh, it's it's uh, just over an hour. You can't well, nearly an hour and a half. Near an hour isn't and a half. Yeah. 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 You can't go into too much detail in an audio story because otherwise you end up confusing people. I think unless it's really well written. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, there's, there's room for these simple stories in Doctor Who. And some of them, I think, especially in audio, work best. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Do you know what? I think that's a good place to end that. Yeah. Actually, that's a good place to end it. Um, so, yeah, that, that, this basically gets a thumbs up from the pair of us. It does. It does. <laughs> a rare occasion. A very rare occasion. Very rare occasion. Right, OK. Uh, so, coming up next week, I believe we'll be looking at the next Destiny of the Doctor audio story yes yeah um it was only a only a handful to go less than a handful to go now yeah i can't believe i got through them bloody hell so there's only only uh, after this one only two more to go i know oh dear well, that means more big finish then paul doesn't it really so yeah but yeah. there again on, on, on today's list on, on the base of I'm, this I'm, yes. looking for, I'm looking forward to that again now. same here same here so uh okay then folks so um i think it just about wraps it up for another week so as I said next week coming up it will be a review of the next Destiny of the Doctor story and also during the month we've also got some more interviews coming up as well uh, so be, I'll be sort of dropping them in uh, sporadically uh, so yes there we go um, I, I don't think we're going to get time to do an audio commentary this month though are we? Um, probably not no, no no so I think there might be another um, another month's wait for that uh, we've, we've picked our story though Yes, I say say the groans of disappointment that came with that news. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Well, no, we have picked our story, so um, yeah, so we're we're just trying to sort of figure out a date of when to do it. That's the that's the other thing at the moment. So, I think that that just about covers everything for now. So, for another week, then it is goodbye from me, Phil, and goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. 
And please also join the Who's He Podcast Facebook group. The Who's He Podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance.